0: Welcome to Critical Football with Dave, Matty Ice, and Cleve. How you guys doing?
1: Doing pretty good hey? an exciting weekend of football. How are you guys?
0: Yeah.
2: Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Feeling a little piratey today. I don't know about you.
0: Well, you know why I'm a little down, Dave. It's like you these games get built up and obviously we're going to get into it, but it's like it's such a letdown when one of the games doesn't live up to what it should have been, but, you know, who am I?
1: Yeah, I agree. I was a little disappointed the Buccaneers keep on winning too, but you know, that's how it happens.
0: <laughs> it's awesome.
1: So we will just get started right here. We do have the first game. We have the Bucks 31, the Packers 26. And you know, this was a, a game that really hinged on the major decision at the end of the fourth quarter. And so I'm just going to set it up here. I'm sure most listeners have heard about this now if, if they didn't see it, but I'm going to set it up here. The Packers were down 31 to 23. Two minutes and nine seconds to go in the fourth quarter. They have all three timeouts, and it's fourth and goal from a Bucks eight-yard line. And they elect to kick a field goal to make it 31-26, to rather than try to score the touchdown, the two-point conversion right there. And just a couple of my initial thoughts. I want to get your guys' thoughts on it. One, I know the analytics say that this is a close decision, but that's because most of the analytics don't take into account how much time before the two-minute warning. Just that, like, it's before the two-minute warning. So, like, the, the two minutes and nine seconds makes a big difference. Also, analytics don't take into account the fact that you are relying on your, realigning your defense, to, defense to stop Tom Brady rather than Aaron Rodgers' score for you. And I just don't understand why in the world you would want to put
2: the game in Tom Brady's hands instead of leaving it at Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I, I completely disagree with it in the moment. Eight versus five, to me, doesn't change anything for you, even with three timeouts. Um, if they go for it and don't get it, the Bucks get it back and they're pinned way deep. So you still have the three timeouts that you alluded to, and you at least have a little bit better of the defensive positioning because you have them pinned back. But the the decision it, it's it's actually kind of a couple fold because it seemed as if there was no communication between what Matt Lafleur wanted to do and what Aaron Rodgers knew. At, le- at least that's what we've seemed to have, have heard. So. Rodgers makes a decision based off of, well, this is four down territory because it should be four down territory. This is the biggest game of the year. There's not a lot of time left. And you have Aaron Rodgers. Like, y- you should be going for We've talked about that with other teams, too, where they should be being more aggressive. And that, that is actually going to come up in the, the next game after this, too. But I, I didn't agree with it at all. I didn't think the three points did anything for them. It put them in the same position, except I feel like they had even less control. Because now they have to kick it off, they could have better field position, and just so many things you know could have gone even worse than they did. And I, it just seemed like a—I don't want to say a rookie mistake because he's not a rookie head coach—but it seemed as if it wasn't the right move given the circumstances
0: and the gravity of the game. So I sentiment both your both your takes on it, and you know, obviously, anyone that watches football that you know can cue this up in Madden. Wouldn't wouldn't make that decision. Here's a couple things that I um I took from it. First of all, uh, to today's point, uh, Aaron Rodgers versus Tom Brady. Who do you, who do you want the ball in their hands in the last mere seconds of this game? Um, so uh, something said about Aaron Rodgers not being trusted. And to Matt's point about hey, I'm thinking we got four downs. It should be communicated to me that hey, we're gonna go for a field goal here. So you know, don't think that you got extra time. So that, those two things kind of play into it. But here's the thing for me, uh, and I'm going to channel my inner Herm Edwards. You play to win the game. Um, if we saw like the play, uh, Aaron Rodgers had a beeline to the end zone, and he decides to throw or whatever, so I don't get that decision-making. But uh, it shows that whether McCarthy's at the helm or LeFleur, um, the Green Bay coaching situation has always been sketchy. And we could tell by the eight losses in the playoffs that he has on his resume so i don't know what to say in that moment um it's hindsight at this point but um you trust your quarterback to 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 win the game for you
1: well yeah cleveland you said that you didn't um um think like oh he didn't trust aaron Rodgers and he didn't communicate with aaron Rodgers. i don't think lafleur thought about the decision to the decision was in front of him you know, I don't think he was thinking on second down, okay, if he gets the fourth down here, what am I going to do? What yard line am I going to be kicking on? What yard line am I going to be going forward on? And the thing is, every head coach should have at least one nerd on on staff up in the box, that they can ask that. Like, if this ends up being fourth and goal from the 11, is it a kick? If it's fourth and goal from the three, is it a kick? Like, tell me, you know, get this going over these next two plays so, so that when it comes up, we know. But there's just no, you know, I don't understand the upside of it either. So you kick the field goal, so you're down by five. And you still need a touchdown in order to win the game. If you go for the, if you go for it and you miss it, now they get the ball deep in their own territory, and you're in the same position. where you need to stop them with your three timeouts and the two-minute warning. If you score the touchdown, miss the two-point conversion, well, you're in the same position, but now you only need a field goal to win instead of a touchdown to win. I, I, I really don't get it.
0: Well, well, here's, well, so here's how I defend what I, what I said about the trust thing. So I'm um, thank, thank you for queuing that up actually perfect for me so you're so you're going to trust your defense to get the three stops possibly versus trusting your super bowl winning quarterback of yesteryear to win to win the game you're putting you're putting the onus on the defense which again you're putting it in tom brady's hand to your earlier point is why would you even cue that up for tom brady to you know although he threw three picks but tom is in a big moment so i'm not gonna say the the coaching um I'm sorry, the uh, the verdict is in on the coaching in Green Bay, you know, because, I mean, the guy is a good coach, but in that moment, are the lights too bright? Is it too big? I mean, these guys are coming up short every time, and I, we said last week on this show, Aaron Rodgers should have way more Super Bowls than one, but stuff like this, is that's why he's like, you know what, I'll, I have to think about what I'm going to do next year.
1: Well, the Packers have lost four NFC title games in the last seven seasons, and that makes me smile really big. <laughs> oh, you know, their 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 pain gives me strength. But uh, Matt, do you think it's possible part of this decision was based on how poorly uh, Tom Brady was playing in the second half? To me, that
2: actually would further the argument to go for it because the Packers had looked significantly better than the Bucks had in the second half. They seem to be moving the ball a lot better than they did in the first half, and I just... Uh, yes, Brady was playing poorly, but y- you're asking your defense to stop them. Basically, with three t- three timeouts, you need to prevent them from getting a first down. You're not preventing them from scoring. You're preventing them from getting a first down. So even as poorly as they were playing, you'd think that they were capable of getting a first down. But I wanted to go back to something you said, Dave, about Lafleur didn't think of this decision until it was in front of him. My question would be, why not? Because... I, I would think that you're paying the head coach to think a little bit ahead of what's presented in front of him. Like, even if it's second down, you're thinking about what you're going to do there. But isn't it part of the job of, of his and, and the coaching staff in general to have some semblance of an idea before it hits them in the face what they're going to do if we make it to fourth down? Well, I mean, Of course. And that, that, that's where I'm going to put the onus on it because it seems as if whether it was communicated or not, why was that decision seemingly not made until it was right, right in front of him. This isn't some regular season game in which they can bounce back the next week. This is their season right here. Yeah. And yeah. to to take... Essentially, they took the ball out of who's probably going to be the MVP's hands. They put it in their kickers, on their kicker's foot. And then they kicked it back to Brady, who I understand hadn't been playing well. But you have to know who you're kicking it back to. And I think I've alluded to this particular scenario when it came to, I think, Kingsbury. But I always think about the Patriots going for on fourth and two from inside their 25 because they didn't want to give the ball back to Peyton Manning. Mm-hmm. So I, it, to me, I feel like there's so many things that have gone wrong in this scenario and I don't see any upside to it whatsoever. Even with Brady not playing well, you're, you're asking the defense to stop them from getting 10 yards, which even crappy offenses do yeah. pretty regularly. So you're taking way too much of a gamble in asking for that than you are in trying to get eight yards for a touchdown. Just my opinion, and I'm not an NFL head coach, but watching it in the moment, as soon as the field goal was kicked, I thought the Packers don't have a chance because they
0: took the ball out of their best player's hands. Dude, I, I literally watched, just I was on YouTube looking for something, got caught in a YouTube black hole, and I'm watching guys on Madden, on Madden, simulated football game not make that decision or say you know what i wouldn't i wouldn't kick here you know i don't know i would love to again this is you know when we talk about gms and when they interview coaches you know these scenarios like you know how in law school they bring up landmark cases they should bring up nfl uh plays of yesteryear this is hey in this situation what what would you have done you know we know what happened we know what the decision was because it happened But given this scenario right now, given this quarterback, what would you do?
1: Well, the other thing, too, is that, you know, we're talking about how he wanted to, he must have wanted to trust his defense, which I don't understand. The last play of the first half, they gave up a 39-yard touchdown bomb to Scotty Miller. I mean, the defense already collapsed at the end of the first half. I don't know why you would think, oh, I need to go back to trusting them. At the end of the at the end of the game, and as far as Brady, uh, it really was a, like two different games for him. And the first half mm-hmm. is QBR, which is on a scale of zero to one hundred, with fifty being average. Uh, his first half he was a 98. eight, and the second half he was a seven point two.
2: See, yeah, I, I, damn sorry, that. I was gonna say I, I agree, but to me even more of a point stands out when in the game with my wife and again she she watches football but she doesn't know football like the way that we do and she says this is four down territory right and i'm like well that tells you everything you need to know where somebody who's watching knows that this is four down territory and then when they kick the field goal the question is why did they do that and i just said i have no idea
0: because i i'd have no idea I, I don't. Especially I don't... championship week. Mm-hmm. Especially championship week. Like it's. This is like you said, Matt. This is not. Oh, we're gonna play next week. And We got another shot at this. This is for all the marbles. This is coming down to why they paid me this money. I'm thinking it's four down territory. I'm surprised when they're trotting out the fucking field goal unit. You're like, whoa, whoa, what's going on here?
2: Yeah. I mean, you I know? I don't know. I, I, and it's not as if Rogers wasn't playing well and couldn't pick up the eight yards. I mean, even in that moment, he probably could have. Gotten very close running the football. It's not a guarantee that he would have made it because he's not as fast as a lot of other guys, but there were more options than the pass that he threw. And perhaps he was thinking it's four down territory just like the rest of the team. And, and, and again, if LeFleur's not thinking of it until the moment there, I, I don't understand that part of it. And to me, that is an egregious error on the head coach's part. And needs to be thought about in the offseason, because we want a guy who can think two steps ahead in the biggest situations of the year, rather than just, well, what am I going to do right now? Because I hadn't thought about it before. Yeah, yeah.
1: that's the thing, too, because, you know, ultimately they're playing a game and in any game that you're playing, you have to be thinking a few moves ahead of what possibly could be happening. Absolutely. You know, otherwise, you can't you can't strategize as well. But what I think happened to Matt Lafleur here is something that in gambling is known as fancy play syndrome. Um... And the most common fancy play syndrome that most people know is uh, from Monopoly, and that's where somebody will trade way too much to get either Park Place um, or Boardwalk to complete that set because they think having that set so great because it is it's literally the fanciest one to have. Um, yeah, you know, and if you play enough, you see people that do that. But this applies to every other form of gambling or gaming or whatever. And it happened here. I mean, he was he literally outsmarted himself with this with this decision. Now the thing that I know tells me this was not the correct call is that after the game Bruce Arians coach of the Bucs said uh, quote this was a great call because
2: it let us run out the clock and win the game. But even <laughs> No
0: he didn't say that. He said that. But, yeah.
2: yeah. but even <laughs> so remember when the Bucs kick returner fell before the 2 minute warning which was like oh great now they have four timeouts and thankfully that didn't come back to kick them, you know, in the ass but um, <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah, I agree with Bruce Arians. Although, remember what he said a couple weeks ago that he lets Tom do the coaching. So, you know, what does he care what the Packers do? It's Tom's <laughs> team.
0: Who cares. What do you guys, what do you guys think about, um, you know, and kind of like getting off the decision? But do you think that, and uh, we we've all said this at one point on this show in the last twenty weeks that we've been doing it, the lack of just having Deontay Devontae Adams um did that hurt them did you did you guys see where this game if they had the you know weapons or they had some some receivers out there to spread the ball around or better running game you think it would be a different game or you think that this played out exactly like it should have given they only had one guy that has some drops i
1: think i think i think you're exactly right first for devontae adams he had like 400 targets this year and two drops so (laughs) um it sucks that he had one in the biggest in the biggest game of the year but that's um that's not that doesn't happen. That's uh, that's that's very uncommon. Now, your your thought is correct that they were missing a very important piece and led to losing this game. But it wasn't a skill player. It's David Bakhtiari, their all pro left tackle. This hasn't he okay. went down with a um, either Achilles or ACL or some major injury towards the end of the regular season, and it hasn't been an issue yet because nobody could get pressure. But the Bucks can get pressure on you, and they sacked Aaron Rodgers five times in this game. And it mm-hmm. was, it was the absence of David Bakhtiari that I think was actually the difference in this game, because that's what I think allowed the Bucks to jump out to that lead. And then mm-hmm. the, and then the Packers had to adjust and try to come, try to come storming back. But, you know, there was that stretch in the first half where they had three straight plays inside the 10 yard line. They were all passes to Adams. None of them were touchdowns. And, and yeah, mm-hmm. maybe if they had somebody else, he wasn't feeling like he'd have to be forcing to Adams the entire time. But I really feel like Bakhtiari missed being out was what really cost him.
0: Wow. I got a quick question. Did um did Fournette join the team after Tom was there? Like Tom was already on the team. Yes. Right? Yeah. Okay. Do you think there's just a correlation between having like a bruising back like he had in in, in Blunt and, and stuff like that? Because they ran the ball pretty good in the beginning of the game. Do you think that was like a correlation? Like, hey, I need that back. If he's available, I want that kind of back here so we can slow it up. Because Tom didn't have to do a lot. He didn't have to do a lot. He just had to do enough to win the game. Yeah. Man-
2: I don't know. I mean, I think it really depends on the team and what they're going for, because the the bruising running back is not a commodity, at least the way that we see the game being played. To Andy Reid's point, every down is a passing down. So you know, the, the bruising running back, you know, there's probably a few scenarios in which it's helpful. But I mean, look at the Titans, the Titans had Derrick Henry ran for 2000 yards and lost in the first week of the playoffs this year. So. How much Mm -hmm. of a value is that to have? I mean, Tom has a whole bunch of weapons on this team in the passing game, which is what they got Tom there for. And I I just don't know if you put the kind of resources into a quote-unquote bruising running back, except if it's to fill a role for the times in which you need it. I mean, they didn't get Fournette because they thought he was going to be a 1,500-yard back, I don't think. Mm -hmm. That's not... That, that's not what they're looking for. And I don't think there's a lot of teams outside of now Pete Carroll who's probably looking to do that on the regular because um, it's just not the way the game is played, at least in, in you know more general terms. And like I said, what Andy yeah. Reid said last week, I don't think there's a lot of teams that disagree with that sentiment. What do you think, Dave? So I, I think that the
1: additional Leonard Fournette was a great move and Tom Brady probably did have some say in it. And the reason I say that is for a couple of reasons. The first is that Leonard Fournette is a bruising running back like LeGarrette Blunt was for Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. The difference is that Leonard Fournette can catch passes and he can do it well. Yes.
0: That's and I So what
1: and so once you have, you know, he's not just a run tip when he's in the game. He's actually effective in the passing game. And then also when, that, when a player like Fournette's not the focus of your offense, but he's a changeup, really Fournette was added for the same reason Gronk was added. Not to, not to be yes. the main focus. That's, that's Evans and Godwin, right? Those are the two main guys. You know, you had Fournette to have yet another thing a team has to pay attention to, has to worry about, has to plan for, which makes it harder to just focus in on Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. I mean, that's why they added Antonio Brown, too. You know, Brown, Gronk, mm-hmm. and Fournette are all skillful players that are either getting a bit too old or the game is exactly right for them, but you put them together with other really good players. And then as we saw, like fournette has been an issue in the playoffs, but it's not like he's, he's not Derrick Henry. (laughs) No, he's not going to be the problem. But when you have to worry about all these other things, he can really be become an issue. Yeah,
0: that's right.
1: Yeah. Oh, and the very last thing on this game, uh, the play that actually sealed the game, the pass interference call, um, I thought was actually a terrible call so I loved it cuz I love when the Packers get screwed by the refs cuz it happens so rarely um but you know I can see where by the letter of the law that's past interference but they were not calling that all game long
0: <laughs> so so my take is like it's like other sports you know we've you know we all watch other sports and in that moment because of that game of this type of scenario like there's certain things that get chippy but every year every year, there's always a call that we can always go to and be like, okay, was that pass interference? Like, I don't even know. I've been watching football since 83. I don't even know what pass interference is now, to be honest with you. I don't know what what that even means. So, can one of you guys explain to me <laughs> how that call was even missed or how bad that So,
1: happened. the call itself, I don't think was terrible. I think that, I think that, like, if they still had the thing where they could review and see <laughs> if it's interference they would have upheld the call because I think there was a little bit of pass interference on the play. There were two main issues. Uh, the first is that they hadn't been making those calls all game long. So it wasn't consistent with how they had been officiating the game. And two, the ball wasn't catchable <laughs> and they never call uncatchable. and they, they need to start doing that yeah. because that pass was not catchable. Matt, what do you
2: think? The only reason I think that the call had to be made there was because of how obvious the Jersey tug was and not just with one hand, but he switched hands and still continued to do it and i know the uncatchable part is, is all in it but when i looked at it i thought you know if they don't call that you know then they're you're almost in the same issue with the rams and saints from a couple years ago where it was like it's in the middle of the field it's not as if it's a congested area the ref is looking at it i mean it took a while for it to come in but the, the Jersey tug just seems very obvious, and I, I think there's probably a pressure to call it, even though it hasn't been called the rest of the game, because it's there. I mean, I don't know how visible the other, you know, the other non-calls were and so forth, but I, th- that to me is what put it over the top is probably why they had to call it. And I understand in the moment it, it feels wrong because of where it is, but if that call is in the first quarter, we're probably not complaining about it as
0: much as at the end of the game so i'm glad you guys said and that's why i love the continuity and it's in the uh synchronism that we guys you know the three of us have even just talking off the cuff a jersey tug just like me hitting the quarterback and grazing his face mask <laughs> like you guys said they haven't been calling it all game and then it shows up in a deciding moment or possible deciding moment i hate that about the nfl that we get Okay, all of a sudden we're gonna we're gonna call this a jersey tug. You know, if he's running down the field ten yards holding his jersey, that's one thing. But if you know he's getting separation and you're trying to get your hand off the guy or or steer him or whatever, and your hand happens to tug the jersey, you think that's gonna negate a catch? Unless he's pulling, you know, he's pulling at this guy. That's just me. Maybe I'm being a little anal about it, but I just I I look at it like, what the fuck is that rule for? Passing rest would be like a jam. You jam the guy. You knock him off his off his route. You know that's pass. Well, so the thing
1: is, I don't think that they called the jersey tug. I think they called the flap from the receiver. No, like if the receiver oh, doesn't okay. flap, I don't think they even like care about the tug. But I think the flap actually is what is what drew the call. Even though I think the call was was correct. And now, um, talking about flaps, let's talk about Buffalo. Uh, <laughs> we, got the, we got the Buffalo Bills 24, the Chiefs 38, and it wasn't even that close. Um, you know, the Bills' lack of running game really mattered here because once they got a lead, they couldn't even pretend to run the ball to try to, you know, um, eat some clock or anything because they just can't do it. And the next thing you know, you've got Patrick Mahomes back back on the field. But Cleve, these stat lines are ridiculous for Kansas City. First, first, we have Mahomes, yeah. 29 to 38, 325 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions.
0: That's why he got what he got for his first time. Right. Contract. I mean, that's,
1: that's like, give him, the, give him the rest of the Kansas City Royals ownership stake at this point. Um, and then you got Tyreek, he goes nine for 172. Kelsey, 13 for 118 and two touchdowns. It's
0: a problem. It's a problem. It's a big problem.
1: Um somebody on Twitter, I can't remember who it was. I I I would want to give them credit here, but they said that um, Buffalo couldn't decide if they wanted to stop Tyreek or Kelsey, so they decided to stop neither and see what happened.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a great take. Yeah,
1: just 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 absolutely ridiculous. And I I mean I don't know what else to say really about this. It's that the Chiefs are they're they're good.
0: Well, see, that's why I said about the bruising running back thing and you know, Matt do cold water over it you know i get it it's it's just to slow the game down because the chiefs obviously is a high-powered offense they get on the field they're going to score from anywhere i mean the the, the Tyreek 70 yard 70 yard scamper <laughs> it was ridiculous and you, you know you're they're out there tired after something like that they're already tired so i was really looking forward to a good game and i just i knew the Chiefs was going to win but I, I wanted to see buffalo put up a fight
2: here would be my counter argument to that. When the Chiefs can score twenty-one points in like five game minutes, how much how, how much value is there in yeah. slowing down the game when it doesn't matter to them? Because, like, I mean,
0: keep Mahomes off the field. It Maybe, two plays.
2: Yeah, that's what I mean. It's like they are able to score so quickly. I mean. Look at the the Texans game last year, right? Or I think it was last year when they were down, what, 24 nothing and won like 48-24 or something, yeah. something like that. Yeah. They can score points so yeah. quickly and in so few plays that even if you had an eight-minute drive, they come on the field and score in two minutes, you get the ball back, and then you have a four-minute right drive yeah. that doesn't amount to anything. And then all of a sudden, oh look, they scored again. I mean, that's how the game went. Like it went from nine-nothing to 21-9 and it felt it was over. It was over at 14-9 because Buffalo couldn't do anything offensively. And when they did get something going, they settled for field goals so often. And Dave, you made that point offline, but to me, it shows the big difference between one coach who has a Super Bowl and has been around forever and we know what he's what and he knows what he has and how to coach and scheme around what he has. And then there's the Bills who Looked exactly like a team that had never been there before and had no idea how to handle the moment. That's what they look like to me because talent-wise, yeah. they should have been able to at least keep up. But if they're gonna have, if they're gonna run a defensive scheme for the entire first half in which Kelsey and Tyreek Hill have nobody near them within like a five-yard radius on a- any side, and then and they make no adjustments in the moment, then they're they're not ready to beat this team. No 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 team nope. would beat them doing that. No team. It doesn't matter. Bucks, Packers, Saints, it doesn't matter. If you're gonna let those guys get that free consistently, and we're talking like Kelsey was getting like nine I mean, it would be like first and ten and he'd get a nine yard completion, and they were giving that up like every single time he caught the football. How are you supposed to win doing that? Yeah. And how are you not adjusting to that yeah. at all? Like whatsoever.
0: Y- yeah. Yeah. Um, so when it comes to explosive offenses, you guys, you know, obviously we, we're all old enough to remember the Rams with Kurt Warner. You think uh, explosiveness wise, because um, your your Patriots stopped that Matt when um, they, you know, had to appear Super Bowl. We taped it. What do you? We taped uh-huh? it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, do you think that? You know, in today's NFL, obviously, we you know it's pass heavy and stretch the field that type of thing. Take the take the defense, spread them out. Do you think that will work against um teams like Buffalo, or that that's a one off? Like they just said, okay, you know what, this team we know we can beat, and to that point where they probably realize, hey, no one's guarding Kelsey or, or 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 Tyreek, so yeah, let's just run wild. Like, you think that was? No adjustment by the coaching, or they just felt, like, deflated, like, oh, God, we can't stop these guys. So,
1: I think that for – from the Chiefs' point of view for this game, I think they actually didn't hit their mark. I think they went to this game thinking they needed at least 42 points to win um, because they respected Buffalo's offense on the other side. And, you know, so we had a couple issues here. You know, so for the explosive offense for the Chiefs, I mean, if you have an offense like that, you should be going into every game trying – like – Aiming to get into the 40s, because most of the time then you're going to you're you're going to win. So if you have an efficient quarterback and explosive playmakers and you get in the 40s, more than likely than not the other team's quarterback will make more mistakes than yours, right? I mean, Mahomes, no picks. So, you know, that's what I that's what I think the goal is to do there with the explosive offense. As far as this game goes, you know, the Bills, their offense was great throughout the season. Throughout the second half of the season, their offense is more explosive than Kansas City. And it's not like Kansas City has a great defense. The thing is, the Chiefs' weakness on defense is being able to stop the run, and the Bills cannot run the ball. I mean, they, they can't run the ball at all. They also ran into a problem, and Matt alluded to this too, where they're kicking field goals in a game where they obviously need touchdowns. And I think, I think that mm-hmm. this game, I think, I mean, I think the the last game, the the decision was so terrible that in the moment, all the coaches were like, "Why are you Why are you kicking this field goal? That's ridiculous." But there were a couple of field goals in this game that Buffalo kicked that I think some coaches were watching. And they're like, yeah, that's reasonable. You know, you get the points and you keep it close and you whatever. And it doesn't matter. Like, you cannot beat Kansas City and Kansas City by kicking field goals. And so they kicked two field goals where they should have gone for it. And so instead of losing 38 to 24, they would have lost 38 to 18. Like, who cares? You know, and I think too often these coaches are worried about, you know, how it looks or trying to keep it close when uh, an L is an L. It doesn't matter if you lose by 500 or you lose by a last-second field goal. If you lose, you lose. So, like you said, for her play to win the game.
0: Yeah. Do you, so, you guys think that it should be – I mean, I don't know if this is a fact or not. It's just me just throwing out something in a hot air balloon. Do you think that coaching – because Matt said this earlier, and it's actually a great point about um, you should be two, two moves, three moves ahead, that type of thing. Um, so, coaching, obviously, for a playoff scenario – or play. I mean, sorry, Super Bowl berth, you're going to be a little bit more aggressive, less passive, whatever, versus, you know, it's week five and we don't really care at this at this point because we're winning these games. So the coaching obviously makes a difference. So do you think that Andy Reid and the enemy outcoached them or the personnel was just, there was no matter? Yeah, I
1: mean, Jeez. obviously it was a, it was a clear out out coaching, uh, which, again, Andy Reid's going to outcoach. Pretty much anybody in the NFL right now, um, maybe except for Belichick. Uh, So that's not a knock on McDermott, but McDermott made a lot of mistakes that Andy Reid just would never make. Matt, what do you think?
2: I agree. I think it's, I mean, obviously we can look at the Chiefs and know that personnel wise, they have so much talent and and that has to be taken into consideration. But Cleve, I think the the main point about the coaching is you're looking at McDermott settling for field goals when his opponent settles for touchdowns. And, like, you openly yeah. know that. And it's like, I I, I want to be a part of the decision-making because you have to think, all right, they just scored 21 points in five game minutes or whatever it was. It was something very, very yes. short. And then, yeah. and then at the end of the first half, you kick what I call that bullshit field goal for quote-unquote momentum. What are you talking about? Like, so now you're down by nine. You need two scores anyway, and they're going to fucking score. Excuse my language. They're going to score, like, a touchdown. They settle for touchdowns, and it's like you on the other side have to be ready for that not to mention again this is not some game in which hey you know what we have we have we can retool and come back next week this is your season on the line and if you're not going to go balls to the wall and try to match them point for point why are you even there what's the point so great so guess what they only lost by 14 you still lost and didn't look good doing it whatsoever so if they kicked field goals for the optics of it the optics were, they looked like shit.
1: And, 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 uh, Khalif, I want to <laughs> say, too, that you know who actually knows how to coach against Andy Reid and the Chiefs? You know who understands that when you're playing the Chiefs, you just have to score as much as possible? It's John Gruden. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if John Gruden yeah. can figure this out or somebody on his staff can convince him of it, then, like, there's no excuse for anybody else. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, look at the-
2: Yeah, I mean, it's true, Dave. Look at the game plan for that first game against the Chiefs that the Raiders had. What did they do? They bombed out. Like, they knew what they had to do. They got to put points up on the board. And they're like, Derek, you're going to have to go deep a lot in this game. We're going to have to take as many chances as possible. And in that game, it happened to work out for them. They played the Chiefs the toughest of, I think, any team this year on a consistent basis. And what's Buffalo do? Oh, we'll just kick a field goal. That's fantastic. So, (laughs) again, I don't really understand it. You're basically giving up four points every time you settle for a field goal against the Chiefs because as soon as they get the ball back, you know that they're going to settle for nothing but seven. So... How's that? How's that math gonna work out in your favor if you're constantly giving up four points every time you score? Yeah,
1: and I think I think that uh, coaches need to start looking at this the way that I sort of do with um with when I'm watching games. Not the Lions because they can, they never like are gonna win anyways. But if they ever got good, I would start doing this with them. But when I'm watching Michigan, not this year but before, anytime Michigan holds the other team to a field goal, that feels like a win right? Like, oh, they only scored three points here. Michigan won the scenario. Unless, like, it's to win the game or whatever at the end. You know, I think coaches think that they get three points, they've done something good, when really you failed to score a touchdown. And I think if they would start seeing it, start thinking about it that way, they would start making a lot better decisions about when to when the field goals, because it can feel good to put points on the board, but the 24 points the Bills scored are irrelevant. They needed 39. Well,
0: I mean, it's so you know, in the in the, in the the pantheon of things, it, it's like, you know what? We made the trip down here, and to come away with nothing, possibly, let's settle for the, for the points, but again, in today's NFL, the sexy stuff, as we, as we all alluded to, is to score, you know, score these points, but I think they got punched in the mouth with, like you said, five minutes of you know, game time and 21 points and staring them on the scoreboard. Like, holy shit! Like, I knew these guys were good, but we're on the field with these guys, and I don't think we're gonna fare good today. And I think like the the, the Tyreek Hilt um, run that that like was like a holy shit. What are we gonna do? Yeah. What are we going to do?
2: Statistically speaking, the Bills were the best team in the red zone all season long. And the Chiefs were one of the worst defensively in the red zone all year long. I think the Chiefs gave up like a ridiculous amount of touchdowns in the red zone and the Bills were the best offense in the red zone. So, like, why are you not putting it in the offense's hands when you've had the best red zone offense all year long?
0: Is that defense like 30th in the league? Yeah. Yeah, they're bad. The Chiefs? Yeah. Holy shit. 30.
2: Yeah, I, I maybe I should oh, yes. put a bet
1: down on. uh Actually, we all can now. We can bet in Virginia. Um Put a bet down on Fournette Super Bowl MVP. That would get some good odds on it. <laughs> Could you imagine? Tom Brady went to <laughs> seven Super Bowl Leonard Fournette. So there, I'm
0: going to Disney World. Yeah, it, it's 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 absolutely amazing. But do you think Aaron Rodgers watching that game was like, holy shit, this is this is why <laughs> this is why they trust these guys to do whatever? I should have that that kind of. uh Freelance ability to to you know because it should have been like hey come to the sideline. I line. think I Aaron Rodgers
1: realized many years ago that he's been stuck with some really dumbass coaches, and that yesterday sort of like <laughs> I never <laughs> thought Lafleur was that great of a coach. Um, and you can't really knock him. He's made two NFC title games and he's won thirty games in two years. Yeah. It's just like, but he has Aaron Rodgers. Is he actually good?
0: hey hey you get a key through a corvette i mean that's that's true so i do
1: want to uh uh mention too that for patrick mahomes this is his third season he's going to the second super bowl in a row and matt if it wasn't for that really stupid offsides call against d ford in 2018 mahomes might have been going to three in a row to start his career it's
2: very it's very true and i have thoughts on on that when we do this next week because i think we'll get to the super bowl specific thoughts uh you know, in our preview show next week. But yeah, I mean, this is this is something that I think if the coaching staff, you know, doesn't mess it up, and I don't think that they will, I mean, you know what you have here. And if they can keep this team together the way that they have, there is no reason why, you know, this team can't become like the, you know, the 50s and 60s Celtics where they're in every season, you know, they're in the championship game every single year or win, you know possibly winning the title every single year. Mahomes is that good, Tyreek Hill, Kelsey, they're all that good, and they play to their strengths. Andy Reid has to be coaching with so much confidence, not because he knows he's a good coach, but it's very similar to the point I made about Saban, knowing what you have and the confidence that comes along with being able to coach and scheme on that is invaluable, and it allows you to coach with a much different mentality, fearless mentality. Like I said, they settle for seven, they don't settle for three. So. You know, it, knowing that you can do that and that for the most part you can do whatever you want because the guys out there you can trust implicitly that is something that they're going to have for a really long time as long as something like money or you know something else doesn't get in the way of it that's the way i see
0: it i gotta um i gotta give a quick shout out to, to one of my boys who's an eagles fan and that listens to the show um and he's a trainer he doesn't want to be named obviously whatever but um He's feeling bittersweet about Andy Reid because he felt that they ran him out of town, you know, prematurely, but it is what it is. Now, you got to watch that coach be great. You could be a Browns fan watching
1: your franchise move to Baltimore and then your coach win 94 Super Bowls in 20 years.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Matt and I talked about that this morning. actually offline. Crazy, bro. Hey, and Steelers, shout out to uh, Le'Veon and uh, Tony Brown. I was going to say, you, yeah, football. you just you
1: just uh, stole my bit. I was going to say Ben is going to be at home watching Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown playing the Super Bowl.
2: <laughs> hey, I have a question. I have a question yeah. for you guys. What's worse, losing Bill Belichick because the team moved from Cleveland to Baltimore or losing Bill Belichick because he quit on a napkin? <laughs>
0: I forgot. A cocktail about napkin, that. not even a full size one. About that. Yeah, no, that's that's great. That's actually that's actually Belichickian if if you ask like, me. I just
2: think it's what's great. worse than that, like losing your whole team or you know, losing to the division and I just love the cocktail napkin. I quit as coach of the Jets. Like is that's either a power move yeah, or like that, the biggest piece of shit move ever I can't
0: yeah. say. No, it's hey, you know what? It it happens and you know, again, you know, we look at the carousels, you know, I know we're gonna talk about this at some point um with with the quarterbacks. But yeah, a quarterback goes somewhere else and shines. Good for him, man. Yeah, absolutely. And we
1: are going to talk about uh the quarterbacks sort of moving moving around here. In fact, I'm queuing up a list that Shepter put out. So I do want to talk about quarterbacks on the move. We have two that are for sure on the move and i want to talk about them and possible landing spots as well as a third possible landing spots And i'm going to go over this huge list that sheffier put out because next season might look way different than this season so the first one of course uh who is not guaranteed to be on the move but i think should be is deshaun watson now Cleve, um you know try to keep it together here but he has apparently stated that the new york jets are his preferred destination how do you feel about that
0: well, he got spotted in, in the city this weekend, so that's a good sign for us um, that he's shop probably looking for a home. You know, I used to be a realtor, so hey. I like how on, Cleve's like he me,
1: got spotted people. in the city. Like Cleve isn't following him around. He,
0: right now, he's got <laughs> binoculars on Deshaun
1: <laughs> while he's recording the show on his phone.
0: Oh. Nah, honest, honestly, man, I um I feel bad for Sam Darnold that this you know that this throws question about his ability because I think he got handcuffed to a coach that was. It was the dumbest ass ever But it just shows you That how finicky The NFL is And you know If I told Matt This offline earlier If Deshaun wasn't If I wasn't a fan Earlier of him I am now Because um, Just his Kind of like He's Mm -hmm. a guy that Keeps his word He just got paid A ton of money And he's like You know what If it makes you better That I'm leaving Take back half the money You gave me Because I played For some of it And I'm just gonna move on Because you guys Don't value what yeah, he's he's a, pretty, yeah, so, he's a pretty
1: yeah, he's a pretty outstanding outstanding uh, young man. I'm 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 a huge fan of, of Deshaun Watson, have been ever since he arrived arrived at Clemson. Uh Matt, do you have any interesting landing spots you think uh it would be
2: cool for Deshaun? Not necessarily cool, but I have to ask about the Jets landing spot. Doesn't him going to the Jets sort of put him in a very similar position than where he is in, in Houston? Because he's going from a team that we've said he has nobody to throw to to the Jets and w- w- what is he gaining there outside of just leaving the texans organization which we know is run very poorly that would just be my question about that because if the yeah,
0: well, well it ter- no i was gonna say it turns the number two pick into no. the a number two pick would be in the, the trade
2: exactly like they're gonna have to yeah oh, they're in gonna the have trade. to
0: trade a lot to get him
2: and then that leaves them Sort of searching for, well, how do we now put the pieces around him to make it worth his while? Because he wants to go there because seemingly he wants to get out of Houston, but also doesn't he want to win? Isn't that part of it? So I wonder if going to the Jets is the right move because how long is it going to take for them to uh, foster the whole, you know, the the talent around him that is going to be befitting of him? We know he's going to elevate the rest of the team just because he is that good. That would be my only question about there. But Mm -hmm. the Dolphins is definitely an intriguing one for me because... We saw how well they played last year, and, you know, they didn't really have, they again don't have world-beating talent, at least on offense, but that defense played extremely well. And I think if you add him to that to that mix over the two, you know, the Tua and Fitzpatrick, that's a very intriguing option, because I do think that it elevates them at least staying at a 10-win team, if not, you know, being able to battle the Bills, because now they have a quarterback who they know is a known commodity and is, a, is an excellent commodity. Uh, is those are the two
1: spots that I know he's mentioned uh, preferring. So as far as the jets go, I think the jets actually a great spot for him. And that's partly because they have so much cap space. So once you get a lot of cap space and they have to trade probably two or three first round (laughs) picks to get them, that's first round picks you don't have to pay going forward. And so when you look at some of the free agent wide receivers in this class and you can say, okay, come to New York, play with Deshaun Watson. If you're Allen Robinson, that's probably a huge sell. If you're Kenny Galladay, you know, Stafford's going to be living in Detroit, as we'll be talking about here. If you're Galladay, you're like, okay, well, I can go to New York and play with Deshaun Watson and make a huge make a huge amount of money. I mean, I don't think they're going to have a problem at all finding pieces fit around him. Also, I would argue that Jamison Crowder and Denzel Mims are a better combination going into the next year than Brandon Cooks and his 47 concussions and whatever scrub the Texans are gonna be able to run out wide receiver, Kiki QT. Um, I think Chris Herndon is better than Jordan Aikens and Darren Fells. And the Jets have Makai Becton, who was a who they you know, they they hit square in the draft this year to be their left tackle. So they know they have at least one good piece on the offensive line. So I, I I actually think the Jets is a great landing spot for him, and if they get if the Jets get Deshaun Watson and they sign Kenny Galladay away from the Lions, I will continue doing the show, but I will just be cussing at Cleve the entire time. <laughs> what What's my take
0: on Stafford?
1: <laughs> um. So yeah. So for me, I think that another really interesting um uh, position for Watson, aside from the Jets, I agree that the Dolphins would be a great a great spot for him as well. It would be the Philadelphia Eagles. You know the Eagles have draft capital, and they could trade Jalen Hurt for him. And I think that Deshaun going to Philly would just be un- unbelievable because he steps in that division, and oh boy! So I think I think that Philly should really be looking to leverage everything to go to go and get him as well. But it sounds like he wants to go to the Jets, and part of the reason he wants to go to the Jets. Sorry, I was I wasn't going to do this rant, but I have to do this rant. He wants to go to the Jets because he really likes the head coach Robert Sala, who's the defensive coordinator. From the 49ers he wants to go play for this coach this coach Robert Sala is from Dearborn Michigan which is 20 minutes outside of Detroit <laughs> he not even 10 minutes it's basically part of Detroit at this point he's from Dearborn he goes to Michigan State when the Lions fire Fat Matt Pat the Michigan State Legislature drafts an <laughs> article to the Lions saying, hey, it would be great for the community if you would hire Robert Sala. He's qualified. He's local. You know, he's from our, uh, you know, uh, the Muslim American uh, population in Detroit is, you know, huge and very important to the area. It would be great to get this coach back in here. And they hired Dan Campbell and Salah Sala go to the Jets. And now Deshaun Watson wants to play for this guy
2: and we're getting rid of Stafford. <laughs> yeah. Then then there's Don't that. worry because so. <laughs> the Lions will uh take a bite out of kneecaps as they're getting up. It's totally cool, dude. Jesus Christ. I'm glad you
0: said that, Matt. <laughs> that takes the that takes some of the ease off Gates' pressure a couple years ago that remind crazy. It Damn actually reminded, of, reminded
2: me of Howard Dean with his like uh yelling of all the states back uh was it which was election was that? Was that two thousand four? when he was up for the primary whatever, it kind of reminded me of that. And I'm like, all right, so your first impression is to basically make me think that you're a total yeah cool. except, Yeah, okay. except Howard Dean was yelling actual
1: states. If he were Dan camp Howard Dean would he be was. like,
0: we're going to Argentina, we're going to China, we're going to
1: Japan, yeah! Like, you know, and he was just shouting states, you think we're going to bite your kneecaps off? Like, why don't you just score a touchdown? The first time this guy kicks a field goal, he should go for it, I'm going to bite his kneecaps. <laughs>
2: And also, oh they God. nicknamed him the that's Dude, great. and it's like, did you see the Big Lebowski? I'm not sure that that's the guy you want to be head coaching your football team. <laughs> right, and they're like, so oh, well, he Mike looks Rush like the Dude.
1: The no, he right. looks like Jeff Bridges. <laughs> he's going to pick any character that he's ever played. <laughs> you know, God, hopefully he's not a more, like the guy from Arlington Road. Anyways, um... I'll save my full take on that for uh, for the coach thing, but more as it applies to, like, you have this guy from Detroit who is a head coach candidate who Deshaun Watson wants to play for, and you're like, no, we pass. Fucking Lions. So, speaking of the Lions, uh, Dave, Matt Stafford has requested a trade, and probably because he saw that press conference, it was like, I'm out of here. So, and the Lions said they're going to trade him. So, the question is, what are some interesting landing spots for Matt Stafford? Now, Cleve, you said you thought you had some... uh. Some thoughts on this so go ahead
0: yeah you actually stole my 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 setup um i said that i would i told matt this offline this morning he can verify this i said i wouldn't mind if he came to the jets and adding galloway would be uh awesome because it was like hey you know what my Listen, guys you got his, there, you got his
1: name wrong so over. you can have joey so, galloway and kenny Ken galladay can reach with the line <laughs> i mean
0: sorry galloway galladay <laughs> galladay yeah i was i was thinking i was just seeing joey Sitting on like college football, I'm like, why am I saying Joey Galloway? Um, so yeah, so so yeah, I would I would definitely take that. I, I actually think that um, you know, I know we always take shots at each other about our teams and stuff like that. Um, I think of any situation in football of, of the last decade, this guy should have had a better career. And, you know, it it just goes to show you that going to a franchise that's a snake bit. I think that I think the Lions are snake bit, and this guy is a great talent, and he's shown up and he's played his heart out for seemingly end the you know end of the road every time. So I hope to see him as a Jet, but I actually think mm-hmm. also um, the Forty ers Yeah, be I, mean, I think the 49ers. would
1: be a great a great uh, spot. I would hope the Lions don't get Jimmy Garoppolo back in the trade because what's the point? Um, you know, which by how far has he fallen? But I think the 49ers would be a good spot. Matt, what do you think for Stafford? Yeah.
2: I actually think uh, New England would be a great spot because they have a ton of cap space coming up this year. Um, you know, they, they I think, would be willing to trade enough to get him. And I think for him, going to play for Belichick and knowing what you're getting in that commodity, I think would be appealing to him. Um, you know, just, I, I think I mean, as much as I'd like to see it as a fan, I think it does make some sense because they... You know, one of the things we said about them this year is they didn't really have a lot of cap space. They barely paid Cam, But then coming up into this season, they had a ton of freedom in which they could do some things, get some guys. And I think they'd be better suited to be able to build around him, to your point about the Jets. Um, And I I also agree about, like, the 49ers as well, because the 49ers are clearly talented enough, having gone to a Super Bowl, uh, you know, a year ago, tons of injuries this time, a good coach. Uh, I think that's another option for him, but I I would love to see him in New England. And can you imagine the AFC East if Deshaun was with the Jets, Matt Stafford was with the the Lions, uh, Josh Allen in Buffalo, and then if you know Tua stays there, Tua panning out in uh, in Miami could be a nice little quarterback division. There. So
1: I want to make a quick point here for all of our uh, listeners back home in the Detroit area. Uh, most people who know me know that I've been a huge Matt Stafford guy his entire his entire time in Detroit. Uh, some people I know, though, are not. They think that, you know, they call him Stats Padford. They think that, you know, he he isn't all that or whatever. He's got, like, the fourth most fourth quarter comeback wins in the league since he came in the league, and he plays for the goddamn Lions. Um, I want everybody to realize that my two co-hosts just said they want Matt Stafford to quarterback their teams. So if you think that Matt Stafford's a problem with the Lions, yes. you're wrong. Like... You know what I mean? Like everybody <laughs> else, like all these other teams with bad quarterback situations would love to have Matt Stafford. We're about to draft Trey Lance or something in the first round because we're going to be getting rid of Matt Stafford. Now for me though, for me, the best lane setup for Matt Stafford is Pittsburgh. Ready-made defense. Mm. Um, I think Juju's going to leave this year, but he'll still have Deontay Johnson and Claypool. Um, he's used to not having a running game <laughs> anyways. So uh, I think I think that Stafford mm-hmm. and Pittsburgh would be the first thing. Uh, the last quarterback I want to talk about specifically here before we wrap up is one that just sort of, you know, showed up here in the last couple of days, and that's Aaron Rodgers. It's very clear that Aaron Rodgers is unhappy with what's going on at Green Bay. I don't think he thinks too highly of Lafleur and, you know, the executive team there. And so he could, according to Adam Schefter, he could force his way out. It would be kind of messy even though he's under contract for three years, but he could force his way out. So the question is, if Aaron Rodgers does force a trade from Green Bay Cleve, Where should he go?
0: He should go home 49ers Niners. He should go home. He's from that area. He has a home out there um, in the offseason when he's not, you know, when I he's, he's back in Cali. So, you know, <clears throat> it's a good setup for him. Some, a good team that they got. I mean, they showed that they could play this year. With all the injuries that they had and all the shit that they had going on, they still showed up to play. And I, I think that he he sees that it's like, you know what? You guys are not going to get me any any um, anybody else to play with. Why should I do that? And if he's going to force a longer contract than what he's got, because I think 2023 is when his contract expires, the one that he's under now. He wants something else because, but I think they're talking to him too, like, hey, what are you like, nine and eight? in the uh, championship situation. So we're not going to not gonna Matt, do, that. do I think, think he should go home. I think he should go to San Francisco.
2: I 100% agree and uh I think it would be a great uh, arc, you know, finishing arc to his career uh, being snubbed or feeling like snubbed by them in the draft, having this Hall of Fame career with the Packers and then hey, what if we won a Super Bowl with this hometown team and retired? How great would that be? I mean, oh, I'd it for
1: So it. I think I think that all sounds wonderful. I have I have no issue with him going to San Francisco. I think it fits if it's completely, I don't think it's the best fit for him. And also he went to college in the Bay Area, but he's not from the Bay. He's from SoCal and his house isn't in the Bay. It's in LA. I think you should go to the Rams
0: because yeah. they need
1: to make the money work in the trade Ooh, and Rodgers shit. makes a ton and Jared Goff makes a ton. And so you think Goff so in the first and yeah. a two thirds or whatever for Aaron Rodgers, because I think you put Aaron Rodgers on that Rams team, you know, they they could really go, especially because you have Aaron Riders on one side and Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey on the other.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny that we neither one of us or neither one of us picked like the Saints because mm-hmm. obviously they, they're going to be shopping a quarterback. <laughs> um, pick the uh, the Rams. There you go. Oh, I'm sorry. So, Washington football team. So what's interesting is that uh <laughs> oh, so okay. I, I, I
1: picked Pittsburgh for Stafford. Pittsburgh, so I actually Pittsburgh. think the Washington football team is great for Stafford. I just okay. wanted to make sure we could get time in to get to Rodgers. Um I, I think I think if Stafford goes to the Washington football team, oh, they yeah, are yeah. the favorites in that division without question, like the next two seasons. Cause that defensive line is sick. They got McLaurin on the rookie contract They got Antonio Gibson on the rookie contract. Um yeah, I think I think Washington is Unless, unless the Eagles were to add Watson. I think if Stafford goes to Washington, they they should
0: expect to win that division the next two seasons without Washington. The um so I'm you know, Matt and I talked about this as well. So if Cam doesn't work out in the wing win for a re up, um he could he could land in Washington as well. You know, Ron Rivera would probably love to have him back and they could, you know, work something around him there possibly but it's funny that there's so many more teams that are shopping guys now that that we you know we didn't get to and i have a few more minutes like i said you know i uh i just think that when it comes to um the coaching which we kind of centered around a little bit today the coaching relationship with the quarterback is key it is key whether it's toxic like bill and tom where in a win this guy's still berating you like i don't give a shit if you got six rings i want this play ran versus arian's like you know what let me just let the guy w- just coach go ahead you do your thing tom we're, we're just gonna watch you so aaron Rodgers, where does he land with a coach him and Lafleur, but obviously the way his pressure went and matt and i talked about this last week like, you can't come up to a guy in a big game and ask him, put a mic in his face, like, well, how do you feel about, like, how do you think I fucking feel? You know, like, <laughs> it's like, it's like you asking someone in the heat of the moment how they feel. And he, he mentioned three times. It wasn't my decision. I thought, I thought that we had four downs, you know, four downs to get this done. So obviously like that's fractured a little bit, but where, who does he go to that is going to give him the freedom to do what he does?
1: So I, I put down three teams for, for Rodgers um, I put down the Rams, I put down the 49ers, and I put down the other team that we haven't mentioned that needs a quarterback and is good, and that's Indianapolis.
0: That's the one that none of us mentioned. I was waiting for one of you guys, at least one of you guys, to say it. I wasn't going to say but it. I don't,
1: think, I don't think that they're the best fit for the threes that we specifically out. mentioned, right? Yeah. So that's why they didn't come up yet. Yeah. But the thing about all three of those places, they all have like good, respectable head coaches with McVay, Shanahan, and Frank Reich. Mm-hmm. And so you know that's why i think that those are all good fit good fits for rogers whereas going to a team where you know you're unsure about the coaching the the coaching staff um is is a little is a little bit different so that's why i think that those three would be the best
0: he should go to the fucking bears that's what he should go to <laughs> <laughs> could, you, could you could you imagine that could you imagine that
1: <laughs> uh, well not not if he doesn't want to play for a team that doesn't kick field goals all the time um you know, that's, the, that's Matt Nagy's biggest <laughs> problem. Is he, he's Sean McDermott on steroids. This is
0: this is the first time in a long time where I can remember there's more. There's at least 10 teams that need a quarterback. There's like 10 oh, teams.
1: There's more than that. So I actually have the list. I have a list here that Adam Schefter tweeted out. It's mm-hmm. all the quarterbacks that started this year mm-hmm. that could be on the move this year. Okay. I'm going to read them off here. Are we ready? Yep. Let's go. Deshaun Watson. Okay. Aaron Rodgers. Matt Stafford. Dak Prescott. Whoa. He's, he's he got set a contract, right?
0: Oh, yeah. Well, yeah.
1: You just got, got to pay him. Yeah. Sam Darnold. Yeah, he's out. Carson Wentz. Mm hmm. Jared Goff. Jimmy G. Cam Newton. Teddy Bridgewater. Shit. Your boy, Big Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> Big Mitch. Jameis. Ryan Fitzpatrick, Alex Smith, and Big Ben Roethlisberger.
0: Now, of anyone on that list, either one of you just taking a a quick poke at it, any backup or if you you can run through the list again, Dave, and we just say backup or starter. Give me a second.
1: Okay. Watson. Starter. Aaron Rodgers. Starter. Starter. Matt Stafford. Starter. Dak. Starter. Starter. Here we go. Starter. Sam
2: Darnold. Backup matt yeah i would say i would say backup but i've, I've been i think i'm on the uh air having said that he could be uh really good with the oh game. yeah so you know maybe he maybe maybe he works. i think he works up to a starter i think what ends up happening with him is he ends up in a backup role but maybe on a team that has a much better coaching staff i mean hey what if stafford went to new england and Darnold was his back yeah yeah right? something okay, I, like that i could see that and that—that's why I think the, the jury is still a little out on him because Adam yeah, Gase is so mad. Like, how can we really get? How can we get a good idea? I mean, Cleve, I know that you usually do things. You know it, but uh, how can we get? How can we? How can we get a good read on on Sam Darnold when he says in the middle of the game, <laughs> "I'm seeing ghosts out there," and and his head coach was
0: seeing ghosts <laughs> in the opening press conference. That was the mushrooms. Allegedly. So, so I
1: think Sam Darnold is a starter in the NFL for exactly the point Matt made about Adam Gase, mm-hmm. and I would love to actually see him go to New Orleans in like a three-way quarterback battle with Taysom Hill and Jameis. Oh, because whoever wins in that offense is gonna is gonna be pretty good. Like they're they're gonna be okay, and I and I trust Sean Payton to make the right the right decision there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wouldn't mind saying that. So here's a good one: Carson Wentz back or starter,
0: back up, Matt.
1: I like him as yep. a backup. Yeah, if he is, he won't be for long. I think. I think. I think maybe some time as a backup, but I think he'll he'll bounce he'll bounce back. Uh, Jared Goff, backup, one hundred percent starter. Jared Jared Goff, yeah, Are you guys he's 100% serious? one hundred percent starter?
0: Are you guys serious? Okay, all right. Jared oh, Goff yeah. is one of the 14 yeah. best well, no, quarterbacks I mean... on
1: the entire planet. He's definitely a starter.
2: Well, Cleve, I think that he's not necessarily worth the money he's being paid, but if you look at the, I mean, just look at how he's done under McVay, which is, again, the right situation. And they've been able to coach to what his strengths are and, you know, scheme to his strengths. And when he has good games, which is more frequently than he has awful games. I mean, last year was sort of an aberration for the Rams in general because they coached not knowing what Todd Gurley was. And they figured out halfway through the season he was washed. And this year they knew they didn't have to worry about that. And, you know, yeah, they lost to the Jets this year, but it wasn't because Jared Goff threw like four picks. You know, like in those playoff games that he played, there's a lot of balls there. Considering that he had no throwing, so why
0: did he get his money? It wasn't because they, because he had a Super Bowl berth? Is that why he got paid?
1: The, yeah, you. I mean, you got to pay him when you got to pay him. I mean, he got his money for the same reason yeah. Dak should have gotten his money already. Dak's just better.
0: Yeah,
2: it's a time, and a lot of times when you have to pay somebody, it's a timing issue because you don't have necessarily a lot of time. I mean, think about golf started with Jared. I mean, uh. Jeff Fisher, who, by the way, looks like he belongs on like a field and stream catalog <laughs> and he's crushing beer cans <laughs> on his forehead. Right. Uh, but he started there. Remember, didn't think he was any good. So he didn't really get going until McVay got there. And look at what McVay's turned him into, which I think he's found the ceiling. And, you know, he, he's playing like a first round draft pick. I think there's a lot of teams who would take Jared Goff over their current quarterback situation. And I don't really think it's yeah, one. completely agree. I mean, good lord, we named Tommy teams. The Bears would okay. love to have. All right, him. all right. right, I give, I right. give you sure the, the Bears.
0: fucking Bears. Okay.
2: <laughs> How about the Bears? Would the Would the Lions take them? Yeah. Oh yeah. How about but would the Steelers take them over Big Ben? They got good receivers. Yeah, yeah. Why not? The Patriots would probably take him The them, Jets or, would take or, them. Yeah, the Jets mean, would definitely about, take them. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. And you got to think about it that way. When you're thinking about who a starter is, you got to look at the situations that are open out there and what that guy does. So think of it like baseball, where it's like a wins above a replacement statistic. Like what, how much value is Jared Goff adding to your current situation? And if you're a team that has nothing right now, like if you're going from Alex Smith to Jared Goff, that's Big a huge Mitch. upgrade in Yeah, Huge upgrade. Yep. Huge upgrade. Yeah, but I mean, like, yeah. So that, that's why I think he's a starter. Okay. I mean... Yeah, because I know you've gone by how much, I mean, and we've we've all gone by how much money guys are getting paid, but that's economics. It's timing, it's the market, and there's not a lot that teams can do in those situations because they have to look at what they have, which a lot of times isn't a great sample size because the rookie contracts aren't like 10 yeah. years long, so you kind of know by the end of it. And then the market dictates what the yeah. market dictates. I, it is what it is. Like, you can't just say, well, we're going to lowball you and he goes somewhere else. And <laughs> what are you supposed to do then? Like that, then now you're, now you're starting over because if you lose
0: a quarterback, you're gotcha. starting over. All right. Thank Keep it rolling.
1: rolling. Jimmy G.
0: Uh, Oh shit. Uh, backup.
1: Yeah. Not even close. If, if Jared Goff is a backup, Jimmy G's in the XFL. Like <laughs> Jimmy G is not better than Jared Goff.
0: It's crazy how the shine came off him so quick, bro. Shit.
1: Yep. Uh, Cam
0: Newton. Mm. Um I I will take Matt's argument um that the the proper setup which would to me would be Washington, but outside of that Poppy back up.
2: 100% starter. Cam? Yep. I yeah. I, I think this year in New England wasn't really a great showcase for him because they were shorthanded in every way basically. I mean, how would they and then he got COVID so many different things played into th- the way that that looks and i think if cam is coming in 100 healthy and has a, I mean even belichick said it like they paid him peanuts they paid him nothing so like they clearly don't have anything else on the mm-hmm. team for him teddy bridgewater back up i agree and i yeah i agree too and i hate saying it because i, I, like, I like him it. and i like his story coming back from it but it is what it is i mean he's He's not going to win you a Super Bowl by himself. I don't
1: think. Mitchell Trubisky. Back up.
2: Oh. Oh, Mitch. Oh, Mitch. Um, I want to give the guy some more credit and give him another shot because I do realize that he played a lot better after he got better He got humble. This, this coaching season, st- man. This season. He, I agree. And this season, I think he's in the Sam Darnold uh, category where I think if he gets the right fit, he does have – still have some upside being so young. So, I'm going to give him the start. Yeah, he's 100% going to start for the St. Louis Battlehawks. <laughs> <laughs> Jameis Winston. Back up. I actually think Jameis is going to be a Where? starter. Pittsburgh. Personally. Yeah. Like, Cleve, you got all these teams, again, that have have to make a decision. Like, yes, Jameis has a really... Like, he, he is the oh, gunslinger be, type. Yeah. He's the yep. cowboy... Cowboy of the year, right? Like, we know he's going to go out there some games and be like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to throw it here. And it's going to not work out. But he has, he has an upside to where, I mean, look at Ben this year. Ben could barely get the ball downfield. Their offense petered out big time it, late in the season because they had no dynamic nature to it. So, like, they pretty
0: much hit the ceiling mm-hmm. with Ben.
2: I would have to say that Jameis probably has a higher ceiling than Ben than a thirty nine year old Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, that's an
0: upgrade. They just signed Dwayne Haskins, so you think Jameis is going to school him? Well, so they, they need, need two quarterbacks. Kidding me that? Yeah. Um.
2: Only one of them can go to the strip club at a time. So, like, you got to <laughs> and steal that, crab uh, legs. So, I name.
0: don't
2: know. <laughs> Ryan Fitzpatrick. Right.
0: Right. Is he still going to play? Seriously.
1: I think he's a starter for the Seattle Dragons, and he's going to play the Battle Hawks with Trubisky in the XFL Bowl.
2: <laughs> yeah, if, if uh, Fitz, the perfect guy, Fitzy's the perfect guy to add if you're looking for a yes. backup, though. Like, yeah, he's yeah, right he, backup, yeah, yeah, right?
0: he's, he's, he's he's the guy that's going to like you know keep the keep the quarterback room interesting.
1: Yep. Yeah. Uh Alex Smith.
0: <sighs> oh, shit. Matt, I'll, I'll defer to you real quick. I've Got to think about it.
2: I want Alex Smith to not play anymore because I want him to keep his health. But I think that I have a strange feeling that if he stay, if he decides to, to play this year, that I think Washington is going to keep him and I think he's going to start. So I think I think Washington's going to keep him, but I don't think he's going to start.
1: I think he's going to uh, be the backup to whoever they decide they decide to acquire. Because I think keeping him around is just great for the team and yep. team unity and. like real unity, not this fake unity that Biden's pushing, but like real, real community. I think, I think Alex Smith is there for it. And the last one on the list is Big Ben, which basically comes out to, will he return to Pittsburgh or not?
0: Yeah. I I mean, I mean, Matt's been clamoring this all year, you know, with this guy's stats. And I, I just think that, um, given the body of work. Uh, You know, who am I to say this to Big Ben, but I think, you know, if he leaves Pittsburgh, um, he may start, but he may not finish as a starter.
2: I I don't think he goes anywhere but Pittsburgh, but I think Pittsburgh needs to do one of the toughest things in football, and that's move on from the aging quarterback at the right time. So many franchises don't get it right, and they have a chance to do that now. And the, the body of work. From just the last game of the season against the Browns I mean that tells you everything and I, I there's no future beyond maybe one year with him and you have a lot of young guys in that team who have a longer future than that and you need to capitalize it so if I'm the Steelers I say thanks for your service you'll always be a Hall of Famer to us but we're moving on and I don't think he should yeah be and you know what
1: if you're if you're the Steelers look on the bright side you could have gotten rid of him six years too early like the Lions are doing with Stafford. so um you know, that's, that's a positive there. So, yes, yeah, so there's going to be lots of quarterbacks moving around uh, the league this year. Lots of, you know, new faces, new places. So, going into the next year, you know, the league is going to look really, really different. Um, on that note, Matt, do you have anything, uh, anything nice or good that happened this week?
2: Yeah, I found a really cool story before the game on Sunday against the Chiefs. Um, a member of Bill's Mafia uh, on game day. Got his last chemo treatment, was able to ring the bell afterward, and in Bill's Mafia style, put himself oh through a table outside, outside awesome. the cancer facilities. It was fantastic. <laughs> and I, I admittedly got teary-eyed a little bit because I thought, what a great moment for everybody that was there. They had a bunch of people that were there, you know, social distance and all that. But he came out, rang the bell, and dove through a table. I was like, that's, wow. that's great.
0: W- was he wearing a jersey? Oh, he sure was. yeah, that makes it even sweeter. Holy shit.
2: And just for the audience who doesn't know, like Bill's Mafia is known for doing the wrestling trope of putting themselves through tables at games <laughs> in the tailgate. So that's where that.
0: Is. I think it's one of the coolest traditions or whatever tailgating things that you know you go to a tip ta- because um, being a Jets fan of a, of a shit shit team, the tailgating is awesome at the Meadowlands. So I mean, you guys from the the area know what I'm talking about. I mean, we've had we've had the entire stadium empty halftime into the parking lot and just like there's a full-on just celebration just being camaradic, you know Jet, that we're Jets fans all right so it's been a great uh great season man we got out all of our shows with no canceled games no canceled shows it's been awesome next week is our Super Bowl preview show and then obviously we'll do a Super Bowl recap uh anything on the way out guys
1: yeah uh let's have Patrick Mahomes not get COVID right before the Super Bowl
0: yeah, I, I was I was hoping one of you guys <laughs> wouldn't say that. Not about Patrick Mahomes, but anyone. Because as of right now, everyone's slated to play. Everyone on both sides. Uh, as of today, they put the report out. Um, guys who didn't play in the, the, you know, the game this weekend will be playing. And um, it should be fun. I'm looking for a good Super Bowl. This is a great matchup. We didn't get a chance to talk about these two quarterbacks going head-to-head. The old guard versus the new guard. But obviously in the preview show, we'll get to really, really, you know, turn your heads on that.
2: Yep. Yeah. And those teams are uh, cryogenically sealing all of their best players for the next <clears> two <throat> weeks. And whatever, whoever we see out there at Media Day is a clone and a robot. That's hey, so
0: we used to pull a Ray Buchanan like the night before the Super Bowl, go out and get a hooker. Remember that shit? Wasn't that also
2: after winning uh, like, uh, the Walter Payton Yeah, Man also, also like that? that was Eugene
1: Robinson so if you could not slander my boy Ray Ray that would be great Ray Ray's just out here rapping way, having a, a good time in retirement you know, the pride of Atlanta and y'all out here tell, y'all, casting aspersions that was Eugene Robinson not Ray Buchanan Please do not get sued you by Ray sure. Ray
0: <laughs> Awesome, I love this show All right, guys. I'll I'll see you guys next week. All right, but peace, peace.